Hey, good morning. I'm all set. I believe me. I'm I'm ready. Actually, I just uh, I, I took a couple of pictures of people today because um, we like to on Sunday mornings uh, do a, a Facebook post uh, that that just lets people know stuff is happening here, and uh, we've got a, a a family that is all like decked out in uh, in American flag attire and. Um, so we we got some uh, we got some pictures of that, uh, and we also today are going to share communion. So if you're tuning in via the live stream, I encourage you if you've got some uh, if you've got some bread in your house, awesome. If you've got some wine in your house, great. Uh, we're at at, uh, at at New Day. We're in the middle of of central Wisconsin. And um, we acknowledge that uh, Wisconsin has a drinking problem, so uh, we don't use wine in, uh, in, in here. We use grape juice, so, uh, because the element that what you actually use is not as important as the, uh, the, the status of your heart and your mindset and the remembrance of Jesus, his broken body and his blood spilled for you. So if you're tuning in and you don't have uh, like bread and wine, that's okay. Find what you do have, and uh, towards the, the end of the teaching time, we're going to share communion together, that time of remembrance for people who are disciples of Jesus. Speaking of um, eating and drinking things, Backyard Missions is coming up, and uh, we, every day, we eat and drink things uh, who, when we're serving out in the community. It's especially important to hydrate when we're outside. So I am, uh, I'm requesting on behalf of the Backyard Missions team, if you would be willing to donate some bottles of water or sports drinks, that would help us out. That would be a, a wonderful way for you to participate, even if you can't be there um, over the next couple of Sundays, with uh, Sunday, July 23rd being the, the last Sunday that it would be okay to bring those, those in. You could just bring them here on a, on a Sunday morning, and then we'll be ready to go, because Backyard Missions is coming up this month. All of a sudden, it's here. It's this month. And I don't know about you, but I like realized I haven't even registered yet. So uh, there's a link in the chat that you can follow in order to register. You can find registration information at newdaywi.com, as in newdaywisconsin.com. So make sure that you're registering to be involved in Backyard Missions. That happens July 26th through the 29th. It's uh, Wednesday Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you can participate in as much or, or as little as you're able to in those days, and if you're unable to participate at all, there is a place where you can make a donation online that can cover some of the costs that would be associated with helping our neighbors uh, improve their households, helping people who are having a hard time helping themselves, loving our neighbors through service. Um, you can give financially, or as I said, water, or sports drinks. Please um, refrain from donating any food. We've got a food team that is covering all of that, and they like to uh, know exactly what they're, what they're working with. So uh, thank you for considering that. Um, typically on, on Monday mornings, 
Uh, I'm involved in a, uh, it's, we're, we're getting towards the end of a nine-week commitment where I do a, a morning phone call at 7 a.m. Um, and uh, I, I do this phone call with, uh, there, there are five other people. There's someone from Kenya. There's someone from Malawi, which is like south of Kenya in Africa. And uh, we've got someone from Uganda that's west of Kenya. We've got someone from Nigeria that's all the way in western Africa. And then uh, we've got someone from New Hampshire. Uh, so it's this mix of people who are all praying for and working towards and trying to help each other be part of a, uh, a, a movement of making disciples who make disciples. So, like, I get on that call and talk about some of the things that are happening in this church, like how we're gathering on Sunday mornings, we're practicing having spiritual conversations around tables so that we can have spiritual conversations out in the community so that we're ready for that. We're practicing some of the habits that get us ready for meeting people who are open to Jesus. We have people meeting uh, every other Sunday morning in this room to learn about Discovery Bible Study, one of the ways that people are meeting the real Jesus by opening scripture and seeing what God has to say about life and then asking the question, what am I willing to do about it and who am I willing to share it with? We got people learning that and practicing that 8.30 in the morning in here. It's gonna be happening next Sunday, correct me if I'm wrong. Next Sunday, 8.30, you're welcome to come here and learn more about that. We have that happening on Wednesdays uh, for, our, uh, for, for our, our students are, are coming in here and practicing. So I tell people about that, and they tell me what's going on in their contexts. The guy from Kenya told a crazy story that I, just, I wanted to share with you this morning, uh, where he was a part of a training that was going to a couple of people going to Malawi where another person from our cohort is. So he was going to help train her and her, uh, her friends, her people around her. And uh, when they got there, they didn't, well, and it was a challenge to get there in the first place. But when they got there, they didn't realize some of the resistance that they were going to come across and didn't know that there was actually somebody in that community who had heard what was going on, was a, uh, a leader in the local mosque and who sabotaged their truck unbeknownst to them and then followed their truck as they were on their way to the location of the training, fully expecting that the truck was going to explode. And this person wanted to see it and make sure that happened. So like we talk here about, oh, I'm not sure about uh, spiritual conversations and disciples making disciples. There's so many challenges here. It's such hard ground. Okay, there are challenges other places too um, that, that, uh, that, that we don't even uh, think about all the time. What ended up happening was the truck did not explode. This uh, th this imam uh, followed the truck to where the training was happening, got out of the truck, sat on the outskirts of the training. It's just an outdoor, people gathering out, outside uh, on a, 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 near a, a lake in Malawi. Sat through the training and came to a point where he said, finally, I understand. 
And he said, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. He came to this, this point of faith and thought he should be baptized. So he and eight other people from the training went into the lake, and I, I saw pictures of this, this guy coming out of the lake, arms in the air like a weight has been lifted, freed from whatever was, was binding him, uh, and, and eight other people. And then those eight people went and shared, and this thing has caught fire. Someone who was persecuting disciples of Jesus became a disciple of Jesus who's committing, committed to making disciples of Jesus. That corresponds with some of what we're going to see today. And even in this space, as we talk about strategy, as we think about what are we doing, yes, we are practicing. We're getting ready for and, and, uh, and, and um, following Jesus into the 70,000 people in Marathon County who are not connected to any church. Many of them would not walk into a church building or attend a church event, and yet they may be curious about who the real Jesus is, like this imam ended up being. So we want to be ready for that. We want to be going out into that 70,000, yes. Now, do we also, if somebody were to follow us into this building, if somebody were to be curious about what's happening here and say, I'd like to see that, are we going to say, no, you can't? No, of course not. No, yes, sit with me. Let's, let's enjoy this together. Learn from God. Uh, it's not an either or. It's a both and, so I don't want to scare you away from inviting people. And in fact, we have a series that we have planned for fall that, that um, the working title right now is Things Are Going to Be Different. And the reason we're saying that is that that's true of the world all the time. Things are going to be different. How are we going to face that? That's true of what's happening in here. For somebody who's used to... Uh, a church being a certain way, things are going to be different on Sunday mornings. And you are not going to be the same person when you meet and follow Jesus. Things are going to be different. You'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Things are going to be different. So think about is there someone you know who may be curious, who may want to see and experience something different, who's not connected anywhere right now? This fall would be a great time. One of the things that we want to do to prepare for this fall is if a family comes in here and they've got younger kids, like elementary school age kids, like K through three kind of, kind of age where they might have a hard time uh, tracking with me and listening to me, uh, that we would have a parallel track where the, the, the same kind of big ideas are being taught in a different setting and then families would come back together 
around tables here and talk about what did you learn? What should we do about that as a family? Who are we going to share this with as a family? And we can help discipleship happen in families. And in order to do that, um, we need to get Heidi off the computer. That's something we need to do because her sweet spot in ministry is helping families. And she, since 2020, has uh, really sacrificed her sweet spot in order to help us get things moving on live stream and, and in this space. Um, we need people who would be willing to learn from her. So if you get tapped on the shoulder for that, I hope that you'd be willing to help out with that so that she can be freed up for that. Um, we're going to need people who love the littlest kids, the babies and the toddlers who can provide uh, a nurturing environment from them. And it's going to be a safe environment too. This, everything is going to hinge on background checks. Uh, so we'll need people who are willing to uh, occasionally help out in a nursery-type setting. We'll need people who are good storytellers to assist Heidi in telling the stories of Scripture in a way that engages those young people uh, and uh, gives them something to learn and apply in their lives. So you may be tapped on the shoulder for some of those things, or if you hear that and you feel like, that is my ministry sweet spot. I've been waiting for an opportunity like that. I encourage you, Heidi, wave your hand so everybody knows who you are. Um, we'd, we'd love to help you get engaged in that way. Uh, let's pray as we go into Scripture together. God, thank you for uh, this, this family that you're growing uh, we see that analogy in Scripture that, that the church is a family, the church is a body. It's made up of diverse parts that work together. So I pray, God, that you'd unify us, that you'd show us uh, a, a work that you've planned for us, that you've equipped us for, that is our sweet spot where the results are greater than we can be given credit for because it's you at work as we follow you faithfully. I pray for that to be the environment that happens in this space and that it spills over into our community, that as we follow Jesus, we look different, we feel different, and the world thinks it's strange and gets curious about what's going on. We pray this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Indeed, when people really follow Jesus, it looks weird. We see that the people in Antioch, who we've been learning about, uh, where people came from other areas to Antioch uh, in order to share the good news of Jesus and what had happened in Jerusalem, and then people who they didn't even expect to become believers became believers. And, and they, uh, we presume, because this is the pattern, that they were baptized and that then they were indwelt with the Holy Spirit that instead of just following their own appetites and their own desires, God put new desires in them. And so they looked and acted different. There was a transformation going on and it was multiplying in Antioch to the point that it got the attention of the people a two weeks uh, travel away in Jerusalem 
and they sent Barnabas, and Barnabas came and encouraged what was happening there, happening there. And when we don't know how much time had passed between the arrival of Barnabas and this point in Acts chapter 11, verse 25. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. Saul, when we read the book of Acts, is like this guy who tried to, uh, tried to persecute these disciples in Malawi. He wanted to see disciples of Jesus thrown in jail. He wanted to see them executed. When Stephen, this guy from the Jerusalem church, this amazing servant of God, was executed by stoning, Saul was there watching over the whole procedure and approving of what was happening. And yet Saul, like this story from Malawi, encountered Jesus in a profound way on his way to go and persecute some of the Christians who had been scattered by the persecution in Jerusalem. He wanted to chase them down. He wanted to put an end to this movement. So he's on his way to Damascus. He had an encounter with the risen Jesus that profoundly changed him. He had uh, a, a, a transformational meeting with Jesus. He became a disciple of Jesus. And if we remember from last week, he tried to learn more about what that meant by going to Jerusalem and meeting with the apostles and the disciples there. And nobody wanted to have anything to do with him because they were afraid that maybe he was just a spy. Maybe he was just faking it. Maybe he was like this guy coming into this training who had ill intent. Barnabas, though, made an open door for him. Now, this... Uh, what historians and scholars say is this is years later that this is happening in Antioch. That Paul apparently has gone back to his hometown of Tarsus after he had learned what it means to be a disciple. So Barnabas, though, remembers Paul, or Saul. He's Saul at this point. We don't call him Paul until later. He remembers Saul and says, there's so much happening here in Antioch What we need is some leadership development. We need someone who can teach these people. And Saul is a man who was raised to be a Pharisee. He knew scripture so well. If I could just find Saul, he could help in the leadership development. When uh, we go through training, and and by the way, Jacqueline, who's sitting in in the back here, also meets with a cohort like the one that, that, that I meet with. She's been through uh, disciple-making movements level one training, and one of the things that we learn in that training is no leaders, no movement. If that kind of training, that level one training that, that, that we've been through, if that's something where you're going, I need, I want to learn more, like this is resonating with me. I'm fired up about it. There's a training coming up this fall that you can get involved in. It all happens via Zoom. Um, it, it's, it's very accessible. There's not even any cost to it. So if you say, I definitely want to be involved in that, let me know. So as we're training, we're learning leadership development is critically important. Barnabas apparently knew that. So he goes to find Saul in Tarsus. 
Verse 26, when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Now, by the way, this word that he went to look for him, the, the Greek word there is the same word that they would use for um, uh, law enforcement who's trying to track down a fugitive. It is not a, I know where he is and I'm going to go get him. It is a searching hard. He was not an easy man to find, but Barnabas thought it was worth it. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds. And now, if you're using the NLT, there might be a footnote here that says, or considerable numbers of people. It was at Antioch that the believers, footnote, disciples, were first called Christians. Let's talk about large crowds for just a moment here. Two weeks ago, we saw in Acts eleven twenty one a large number who believed turned to the Lord in Antioch. Last week, we saw uh, in Acts eleven twenty four considerable numbers were added to the Lord. And now Saul and Barnabas are teaching large crowds or considerable numbers of people in verse 26. So it seems like as Luke is writing this under the, the, uh, the, the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and based on the research that he's done in everything that happened here beyond what he himself witnessed, it's important to note that there are large numbers. Now, there are discussions and even arguments that happen about, well, but numbers aren't everything. God is more interested in quantity, the quantity not, I'm sorry, the quality of disciples rather than the quantity of disciples. Uh, but, okay, of your many numbers, are they obedient disciples? What's the fruit of their life? And, and these discussions happen. And I remember hearing Rick Warren say once as he was addressing criticism, as he's the, 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 was the, the pastor of a church of tens of thousands of people. And people saying, yeah, yeah, but that's not important. What's important is the quality. And he said, you know, it seems like maybe God is more like a fisherman. That if you were to ask a fisherman who's out in their boat, we have some fishermen in here, right? Like if someone were to ask you, would you like to get more fish or would you like the fish you get to be big and healthy? Well, both, right? Do you want more fish or do you want bigger fish? Both, yeah. Uh, and it seems like there are clues here that God is also interested in both. So I don't want this to be an, an either-or kind of a thing. I don't want us to get so comfortable that we go, well, we don't really need to reach out or invite people to meet the real Jesus, whether it's out there or in here, because God's really interested in my, uh, the, the quality of me, so I'm going to work on me for a little bit. I think when we start to fall into that, uh, we're, we're, we're falling into some, some problems, some disobedience. And at the same time, if we're all about share with more people, make converts, 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 and not being concerned about actually making disciples, the quality of a person, a changed character, a transformed and renewed mind, then we're falling into error as well. God is interested in both. So 
in Antioch, the numbers are growing and they want the quality to be there as well. So Barnabas and Saul commit themselves to teaching and training. And then we see that they trained so well that the people got a nickname. The word Christians is a commentary that's less about people's conversion and more about their character. The word means one who is loyal to the Messiah. Christ is the Greek word for Messiah. Messiah is the Hebrew word for king, anointed one. So the word Christian means one who's loyal to the Messiah, loyal to the anointed one of God, or in in more direct terms, little Christ. Oh, look at all these little Christs running around now. The word Christian is only used three times in the Bible and only in uh, describing believers by non-believers. It wasn't until 100 years later that disciples of Jesus, or sometimes called people of the way, it wasn't until 100 years later that they started describing themselves as Christian. Up until then, it was a nickname that was kind of supposed to be derogatory. And eventually, these people just said, uh, okay, yeah, I'll be little Christ. Okay, accuse me of being loyal to the Messiah. That's fine. So we see evidence because the culture around them came up with a nickname. We see evidence that the disciples at Antioch were set free from some of the patterns of the world. Their transformation caught the attention of the surrounding culture when they really followed Jesus. When they actually followed Jesus, they looked weird. Neighbors and coworkers and family members might have noticed some things that they stopped doing. You know, why don't you go to the sanctuary of Apollo and get drunk with us on the weekends anymore? Or I haven't seen you getting involved uh, with the shrine prostitutes at the Temple of Artemis lately. What's up? Or you used to be a lot more angry. And they probably noticed some things, not just that these disciples of Jesus stopped doing, but probably some, some things they started doing as well. Like, did, wait, did you just give that beggar a coin? Okay, you've been really nice to me lately. What's up? What do you want? Or, or wait, you're fasting and praying? Why? Maybe some of you have been through that kind of thing. Like, wait, you're not working on Sundays anymore? What's going on there? Tell me about that. Maybe as you do your I will statements, people see or hear that and get curious. What what do you mean? What's going on with you? Maybe Saul, while he was there, was teaching them some of the same things that he wrote to the disciples in Rome years later that we see recorded in Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. 
to give your bodies to God is essentially is Paul, who was Saul, saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Everything you have, give it to God because he has done so much for you. And he said, your bodies, he said, let them be a living and a holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now he's talking to people who would be familiar with what it means to make sacrifices in a temple setting. And it would be easy to make those kinds of sacrifices compared to what Paul is describing here. You bring an animal, you kill the animal or you bring some grain or you bring some wine and you spill it out or you give it to the priests and then the priests have that as kind of their payment they take some of it they give some back to you you get to have a barbecue with your friends everything's good paul is saying no your life your life Sacrifice it, but not a dead sacrifice. Make it a living sacrifice, an ongoing gift to God that you turn over to him and say, I am yours. This is truly the way to worship him. He continues, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Don't conform to the world. But let God transform you. The word here is the same as metamorphosis. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Actually, be like Jesus, even if it looks weird to the world. So the disciples in Antioch got a nickname, Christians. And in more recent times, in the 70s, I know I made reference to this uh, kind of revival that happened in the United States in the 70s. There was a term, Jesus freaks, that was kind of equivalent to people in Antioch being called Christians. So are we willing to follow Jesus so closely that we break out of the pattern of this world, that we break the mold, that we no longer conform to this world, that we're willing to look a little bit weird. We're going to take a moment and practice that rad pattern of reflection, application, and discussion right now. And if you're a disciple of Jesus, what difference has following him made in your life? I encourage you to take this time to reflect on that. What difference has it made in your life? Because too often, churchy people look just like the rest of the world. Take an inventory. How has he transformed your life? And what aspect of your life do you feel like he wants to transform next? Because this is an ongoing process. What are you willing to do about it to meet him in that process? And if you're not a disciple of Jesus at this point, what's holding you back? 
from putting your trust in him. Take some time to reflect. Write it down. After a few minutes of reflection, we're going to reconnect for communion and for some discussion. So take this time right now to quietly go to God and ask, what are you teaching me, God? And what do you want me to do about it? Take this time. I hope God gave you a sense of uh, a lesson that, that he's teaching you personally and a sense of what to, uh, to do about that. For, for me, I realize that um, I don't put a lot of, uh, of Jesus-y stuff on social media, um, and I'm, I'm kind of uh, old, so Facebook is generally what, I, you know, when I say social media, that's what that means to me, and so I feel like what God would want me to do is, uh, is, is prayerfully plan a Facebook post that, um, that, that is about uh, my faith or, uh, and or an invitation um, to people who may be curious, people who have potentially walked away and, um, 
and, and to just say, like, I want to hear your story and just kind of prepare myself to be a listener, not a, um, not a convincer, um, but to love first. Love enough to put it out there and then to take the step to listen um, so that I can then discern and, and respond in the way God leads. So that, that, but that's me. So uh, what about you? If you're uh, online right now and, uh, and participating in the live stream, we want to hear you share in the chat. Uh, what is God teaching you? What are you willing to do about it? Who are you going to share it with? And then in this room, we're going to have a discussion about that in just uh, a couple of minutes. Before we even do that, um, we're going to take a moment to reflect on like what, what makes all that possible? What makes the transformation possible? What was so exciting to the people in Antioch that they heard happen in Jerusalem? We're going to remember that God loved the world so much he gave his son so that whoever believes in him, anyone who believes in him, won't perish but will have eternal life. And the cost of that eternal life is his death on the cross, his body being broken, his blood being spilled. Now Saul, who became Paul, instructed the gathered disciples in Corinth about this. And so I'm going to read that. And if you call yourself, anyone who calls themselves a disciple of Jesus will be invited to take the bread and the cup together. And if that's not you, that's okay. There's no shame in not doing that. What we don't want to do is have people just do things automatically or because they're told to and they don't uh, subscribe to the reasons or understand what it's about, and we're just making hypocrites. We don't want to do that. So there's no shame in just saying, not today, I'm good. You may take this time, though, to quietly reflect with God about maybe what isn't good between you and him. And remember what he did to reach out to you and to give you a right relationship with him. So let's prepare to take the bread and the cup together. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23, Paul, the apostle, writes, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you, God, for the broken body of Christ. Let's remember Jesus together as we take the bread. Verse 25, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. So let's remember the blood of Jesus shed for us as a payment for our sins once for all time as we take the cup together.
verse 26, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the death and resurrection of Jesus that paid the penalty for our sins, that guaranteed for us that he does have the power over death, the power to lead us into eternal life. And this was the good news that was shared in Antioch. And the promise is that you will be our king, not just upon death, you are our king today. That you're with us even to the end of the age. And so God, I pray that as we remember the sacrifice you made to purchase us for your for your glory, for your honor, to be your people. I pray that we would follow Jesus as obedient disciples today. And until we die or until he comes again, whichever comes first, may we be Christians, allegiant to the king. We pray for your glory in Jesus' name, amen. All right, remember Backyard Missions is this month. So register for Backyard Missions if you want to make a donation. Financially, you can do that online. If you want to make a donation of water or uh, sports drinks, you can do that in this building on Sunday mornings up until Sunday, July 23rd. Take this time to have a conversation about what God is teaching you and what you're willing to do about it as we encourage each other in this transformational life, being freed from the patterns of this world today. Go in peace.